good morning, afternoon, or evening to our listeners who have tuned in for our ninth episode of the Artful Nutmeg. Today's episode is all about Luton Town FC, otherwise known as the Hatters. Before Wrexham FC took the hearts of casual and fanatical football fans, Luton Town faced a similar climb from the depths of England's football pyramid. I am one of your hosts, Tom Ferguson, and with me is our other host, Daniel Wise. Daniel, how's it going? Um, I I am doing really well. There's a fire up in Canada, and the smoke has uh, traveled down here to South Dakota, and it's been kind of this weird, smoggy uh, weather. And, like, yeah, we had beautiful, sunny, like, 80-degree weather, and now it's just, like, it's all just smoky and awful. So... Uh, but this is a great story. Uh, it's it's definitely a roller coaster uh, for right. for this team that's kind of been a, a, in a lot of different spots, and now they are you know sort of on the precipice of greatness. And yeah, uh, can't wait to dive deep into this. I feel like every time that we that we chat, there's some sort of extreme weather thing happening. It's either flooding or it's on fire near where you are. <laughs> it it is a any given day type of thing. Like, well, so like I've been to England and you know, I totally get the, you know, five minute rainstorm that'll come in and oh, so like, weird. It's so weird. And like you you'll just see it and you know, we had like about a dozen of those uh the other week, um, my wife and I were on the road and we drove through probably six different storm systems all within like a 30 mile uh, radius. So like it, that was kind of weird. Uh, but yes, it's in South Dakota. You get a little bit of everything um, at any time. And it's it's a really frustrating. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds wild. Going out going out with a t-shirt and an umbrella every day. Yeah. So, let's get let's get into the meat of this, right? Yeah. So, who are Luton Town? Why are we talking about them? Luton Town, they're one of the oldest clubs in England starting all the way back in 1885. But what we need to look at is of course the recent years of Luton. So, if you're not aware right now, in the championship, also known as League Two, the league below uh, the Premier League, right now it is the playoffs, the promotion playoffs. If you win, I believe it's three games, so two games in the semifinal and then the final. If you win those games, you are promoted to the Premier League, which is massive financially. It's huge for the town in general. Now, Luton Town are only one win away from being in the top flight of English football. This is a crazy achievement when thinking about that long ago, they were not even in the professional football leagues. And we're going to get right down into that. Do you think they'll get up, Daniel? I, so who are they? Are they, they're taking on Charlton? They're taking on Coventry. Coventry, so Coventry. Yes. Coventry hasn't been in the league for a number of years, and Ludentown has never been up in the Premier League, so right. it's gonna be tough. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. You kind of think that they are riding a wave of momentum, uh, and right. especially like what we're seeing with Manchester City, like they've got just all the momentum behind them. I mean, the fact that they went out and just decimated Real Madrid just shows yeah, where this crazy. team is headed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sky's the limit for them. If if they keep it going, they could be kind of that real-life uh, uh, Richmond FC uh, and, and just ride that positivity. Yeah, exactly. So let's go to where it all started in recent history. Back in 2007, when the club was in League One, also known as the third tier of English football, they fell into administration, which in turn saw them deducted 10 points. Now, you might be thinking, what is administration? Like, what could that possibly be? Now, administration is when a company or football club can no longer pay its bills. They can't play their payers, their players, their staff. They can't really pay for much of anything. So this means that the company enters administration and in ad Administration, all control of the company or football club is passed to an administrator. 
This administrator now handles the day-to-day of the club. Their job is to keep the club from being liquidated, which is, let's basically call it being sold off for parts. Mm-hmm. Now, failure to pay these creditors that are owed by the club will then result in things such as point deductions and trade embargoes, which is exactly what we see happen with Luton Town. Yeah. So with the team struggling to find any form and with young players low on confidence, relegation to League Two, the fourth division, was confirmed following a 2-1 to home defeat to Brighton on April 12th. With the new owners of TV personalities and fans set to take control of the club, the Hatters prepared themselves for beginning their League Two campaign with a 15-point deduction for failure to agree to a CVA, which is a company voluntary agreement. However, the Football League decided that because the club had been in administration for the third time in nine years, wow. they would punish them even further by deducting a further five points. So this means they were about to start the season with minus 20 points. That would mean they would need at least seven wins just to get over the negative points. I mean, insane. But worse news followed. The club was still being investigated by the Football Association for the past financial irregularities made public that were two years previously. As a result, the club had a further 10 points docked by the FA, which meant the start they, they would be starting the season with an incredible 30-point penalty. Like, that's insane. How could you, how could you as a player, as a fan, go into that season with any positivity? Well, so this happened to an, another team. Um, this was uh, Darby County uh, when Wayne Rooney took them over. He actually had to like personally pay for certain uh, parts of the the club, like club operation. And so, you know, but, you know, obviously Rooney is has built a uh, multi multi million dollar career and and was able right. to do that and they were also facing I I think probably it was about fifteen points or something they were like deep in some sort of deficit and he really had to pull them out but like yeah being that far down for Luton like that almost sounds like okay pack it in you know I <laughs> like I don't I mean know some teams. You- some teams only get like 40 points a season. Yeah. And it's starting on negative 30. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, oh, man, before you've even begun. I should add that when the club, the club was officially taken over right before the season started. Mm-hmm. They only had six professional players on the team. That is crazy. I mean, like you had six guys doing it full time, and then some of them were also plumbers. Wow. Like, oh, man, it's like, all right, like you coming to train tomorrow? No, I've got to work my job. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll see you for the game. Uh, I mean, I oh, man, that that the whole like atmosphere at Luton at that time must have been so difficult to deal with. And just, you know, I, I feel like I would have like a feeling of defeat immediately. Well, and I, that makes me wonder, like, you, you know, those those players on professional contracts like they couldn't have been on like you know it was probably a livable wage perhaps like but yeah for for the others like that's basically free like that's that's insane to me that's so nuts yeah i mean i feel like especially when you're playing for a club that you know doesn't have the money to pay you that's just like oh man you'd really gotta love the game and try to hold out (laughs) And I think that speaks largely to, you know, what football means. I, you know, yeah, I love the game. The the episode that uh, Ted Lasso had this week had a, uh, you know, sort of like their main thing is is there's uh, the Super League is being pitched and uh, they all come in Mm. to this meeting. And uh, Rebecca has this moment where she gives this impassioned speech about, you know, what football means to people and and. Uh, what it means to yeah a lot of the working class uh families uh and communities and that's yeah yeah that just speaks to how important the sport can be uh to people yeah that episode hit me right in the chest in a couple parts yeah was, <laughs> there are parts of that i was like yes that's oh, right man. exactly and, and <laughs> nate playing the violin like that was oh <laughs> that was rough 
Just like Alexi Sanchez playing the piano. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's move on to their to that how that season went. Yep. Of their thirty point deduction. So at the end of the two thousand and eight season, it was clear that the thirty point deduction became too much to overcome. Relegating Luton Town out of the professional football league. This is the first time it's happened in eighty nine years. Now you may have listened to previous podcasts where we've talked about this but just a reminder for everyone the top four leagues of the english fa leagues which is uh the premier league the championship league one league two those leagues all receive payments from the fa and the premiership which is sort of the overseeing board of Mm -hmm. all those leagues and they're considered professional teams now that Luton Town was still a professional team, technically, having some professional players, they were no longer considered a professional team and no longer receive money from the Football Association. So now they've got zero help. They now have to, they've basically entered what is sort of known as limbo in English football. You have no funding from the league, you're paying for everything yourself. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're kind of, oh, only two teams get promoted. Yeah. So out of, out of 24 or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're basically on your own and just going to have to try to figure it out. Now, amazingly, this was a couple of years later. So this was about eight years later of being in non-professional football. They were able to get themselves back up into professional football for the 2015-2016 season. Now, they were coached by the now relegated Southampton. This is this is a bit of an unfortunate add-in, but I found it really interesting. Uh-huh. Coached by the now relegated coach, Nathan Jones, the Hatters saw themselves get promoted two years in a row up to the championship, which is a un- very unusual feat in English football. Mm-hmm. You have to assume that when you get promoted from the league below, you can assume that you're going to be one of the three worst teams the next season. Yeah, especially at those lower levels where like, you know, for for the most part, it's like, you know, the it's it's truly trickle down economics where, you know, there are portions that are definitely they favor more towards the top rather than the bottom. So in a way, like it is. I suppose it, it's it's fairness versus equity or, you know, how, however you sort of frame that. But um, for for what it's worth, yeah, those teams who are going from non-professional to professional, uh, it's typically a very rough road for them on that first season. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the, the big point to look at is it's mo- for most of the time, unless you're Wrexham, who had two Hollywood stars uh-huh. uh, take over their team. You usually don't get a massive injection of cash when you're down those levels. Um, It's usually that, you know, the ownership is taken to mainly because they have some personal connection with the club, mainly because they love where the club is and, you know, they're willing to have some money in, but they're not about to man city it and throw you 200 million. And what's so you you bring up ownership and what's funny about uh, the owner of Luton Town uh, or, you know, owner in quotes is basically a CPA. He's a guy who um, uh, was pretty high up with uh, Raymond James, you know, sort of like the the financial portfolio company uh, down in San Diego. But like he grew up in Luton Town and so wanted, random yeah and, and was just like yeah you know uh he so he kind of took charge uh of the club you know financially but hardly your you know uh ryan reynolds type of uh or or random billionaire type of takeover there yeah it's so interesting i um i know did you say he's connected with the san diego it just made me think about how big football ownership has come to American business owners. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you can think about Arsenal, Man United, Sunderland. It's, mm-hmm. it's just so interesting how, how American, how American business owners are like, you know, it'd be fun. 
Let's go buy a team. Let's go buy a team in England. Never heard of it. Let's just go get it. Yeah. It's just like, all right. <laughs> so let's get let's get back to the point at hand. Mm-hmm. Why should we care? So after a few years in the championship, this year we're seeing Luton Town being a one win away from being in the Premier League. So crazy to think that 14 years ago the team was being deducted points. And now they've been promoted three times and are now on the verge of reaching the pinnacle of English football. And they're quite an interesting club. If they do get promoted, they are going to have to spend around 10 million, 10 million pounds just to renovate their stadiums at Kenilworth Road so that they can actually meet the minimum for um, stadium capacity for the Premier League. And Guys, we'll put something in the show notes. You should look at their away turnstiles. The the <laughs> entrance for the away for the away fans is basically like two townhouses smushed together. Oh, uh, funny! It's it's pretty awesome. It's it's considered one of the most memed away ends. It, it's it's really kind of yeah, classic neighborhood grounds. You know, kind kind of like. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, the old Highbury uh, grounds, like re- literally just sort of in the middle of this neighborhood, you know, uh, kind of uh, nondescript, especially in the early days where it was just kind of like a uh, patch of ground and everything was kind of like built in there. So, um, yeah, that just kind of shows you know how far they've come. It's it's crazy if you look at uh, the picture of it. It's so it's basically two townhouses, two townhouses smushed together. Basically, yep. they Luton Town must have looked at their stadium and thought, "All right, where are we going to put an entrance?" And they decided to just buy the bottom floor of these two houses because there are still two doors on either side of the entrance for someone's mm-hmm. flat. So someone's flat is right above the entrance to the stadium. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an amazing, interesting club. I would love to see them come back up to the Premier League for sure. Um, do you think they could stay? Do you you know what what are you know um based based on kind of like their performance uh this year? Oh, if they what, could stay up. You, yeah, uh, they're a totally reckless team. I honestly thought they were a bit lucky to beat. Uh, Sunderland, but Sunderland yeah. has a really good case of having catastrophic ends to their season. Um, yeah, I mean it. I I mean I wouldn't, but I would probably put them in my like next to go down. I don't think they'd stay up. Um, depending, so a lot of a, a big thing that clubs do, right? Some mm-hmm. clubs play two strategies. It's either they play the go up. They get that big payment and they accept that they're going to go down that year because yeah. they're going to receive a parachute payment and they can start to build up their funding, their financial. So it's teams like uh, Norwich do that in a big way. Norwich goes up and down every season, I swear. But <laughs> yeah, it's so irritating. I'm like, bro, just decide. Now, what some other teams do, like your Nottingham Force, or what they will do is they will have some money saved up and they will say, you know what? Screw it. Throw the money in. We're going to sign a bunch of players and we're going to pray that we can stay up. Uh, for Nottingham Forest, they signed about 31 players, sold 29, I believe. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's crazy considering you have 11 on the pitch. <laughs> it's like, yo, like, am I playing? I'm like the fourth, like right back you've bought. Um, so yeah, it's, it's almost what you do when you get that FIFA special uh, edition and you get that like um you know that oh, financial bonus, takeover? The financial takeover. <laughs> You're like, "All right, yep, get rid of the scrubs. I'm bringing in the players <laughs> I want." Yeah. I want Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to have them all. Yep. Dude, yeah. You've got Ronaldo playing back up to Holland. Like, it's just absurd. It's, um, it's funny. Yeah, so some some teams do that. Now, I don't know which one Luton is going to be. I think because... This is, this is my guess. Because this is their first time coming up, 
I feel like they're going to try and do everything they can to stay up. Yeah. Um, they might not get another chance, considering, like, only, what was it, 14 years ago? 14? 15? 15 that years ago, right. they yep. were, you know, not even in the professional league. Well, they were, and it was the fact that they were having such financial distress even before that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think they're like, you know what? We never want to be there again. Um, one thing I'd be interested in looking up, and I apologize for not doing this beforehand. Um, I wonder what their financial situation is now. Yeah, that, like, that is interesting. Like maybe they still have some debts they need to clear off the table, you know, sort of long term debts. And that Premier League money could, you know, have a chunk of it taken out to clear that. Mm -hmm. um, that that is something I will definitely be looking up and finding out. But yeah, I mean, I think they're gonna they're gonna try and go for it, try to stay up, um, not try to coast, try to spend the money. And yeah, hopefully Luton Town won't just be a one season wonder. I mean, that's all you can really hope. <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, I would say one of their key or i guess keys to promotion or keys to success is that they do things um a, a little bit differently and they have um kind of like a a supporter you know like every team has their supporters group but like they have a supporters um group like a a nonprofit that actually has a lot of financial sway with the team or they have a lot of voting power when it comes to team moves. Right. Yeah. And that's we're, we're we were talking about um, doing a episode on sort of different types of ownership in the future. Yeah. Um, and, and it's definitely something we can get into uh, more in depth, but um, it's very interesting because they follow a uh, just to kind of preview this but it's a 49-51% uh, ownership rule where it's like, you know, there are shares that are available to the public and then shares in the team that are available uh, for, for corporate interests or, you know, that sort of thing. And so what it kind of runs to is that there is a 49% cap in ownership on that corporate side and then the rest of the shares, the 51%, uh, goes to kind of the the public interest, right? Right. Yeah. And oh, man, I love that. This is a big thing that happens in the Bundesliga. Not really something we see in the Premier League. So it's. No. I mean, it's like a unknown in the. I don't. I'm trying to double check if anyone in the Premier League does it, and I can't think of anyone that does. Because I mean, yeah, it's like most of the teams you hear of, like they either have some sort of investment group or, you know, a singular like billionaire owner uh, or, or a family. But that is kind of a topic we can do for another time. Um, but in, in a certain way, I think that is a huge thing that's helped the team. And I would say, you know, even if they don't or, you know, say they get promotion and then uh, spend next year, next year in the prem only to eventually fall out. I think it's a team that will stay in good shape uh, because of the fact that kind of like the the supporters have that true voice uh, to guide the team. So I think, uh, you know, you won't have those rash decisions. I, I don't know if they would, you know, do that mass, you know, selling and buying type of thing. I think they'll they'll probably be a little more conservative uh, when it comes to how they they sort of do that. Right. And, you know, I think we're I'm I'm personally pulling for them to come up. I think it's a wonderful story. And it was definitely one that was really interesting to research and to learn about. And yeah, Luton just seemed like a special club. But let's go on now to what are new stories of what is happening around the world. Now, the big one, of course, is we know who will be playing in the Champions League final. Yep. Unfortunately, it will be Manchester City, God, and yeah. uh, they will be playing Inter Milan in mm -hmm. the final, which will be taking place, I believe, June tenth. Let me just double check that. But yeah, I mean, who do we think is going to win it? I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing the, <laughs> I'm guessing the, uh, 
the wait is probably gonna be yeah it will be june 10th and i think everyone and their grandmother is expecting city to win their first european title um it is uh yeah city is just so good and they have uh just just fantastic they have built just an unstoppable team where i think kind of the best players that inter has um are are sort of good players you would have bought you know in you know fifa 18 19 or something like right. that uh romelu lukaku uh oh my God. which i was like really that's where that's where mkhitaryan is now these days um Eden Jekko, yeah, like these are guys that, yeah, I don't know, a little bit past. Uh, Jekko, everyone, a uh, 20, 2012 Premier League winner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally 11 years ago. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, no, just sort of running down the roster. It's just, um, yeah, I, I'm sure uh, Inter... You know, they're going to go out there. They're going to try their best. But, you know, top three finish in in the uh, in Syria. So, right. you know, they're they're good. But OK. The yeah. way Manchester City handled uh, Real Madrid, who it, for the most part, like in recent times, like they've they've played in the Champions League like it's almost their birthright, like. We're oh, going it's, to it's literally their their tournament. Yes. They don't exactly. even care about La Liga anymore. They just <laughs> aim to win Champions League every year. So there is I'm I'm at one point I was a so this is kind of the analogy I'm going to draw. There was at one point I was a huge fighting games fan. You know, your straight fighters, your Tekken's right. and whatnot. And there is a certain spot you never want to get where you get stuck in a corner especially uh, against a good, tactically sound, mentally uh, vicious type of player who basically can read your mind at that point. If you're trying to jump out, he's going to hit you with an anti-air. Uh, if you're going to try to like bust out like a special or something like that, he's going to work on his spacing and just kind of stay <laughs> just outside of that point. Keep you in the you corner. On a frame trap and just, you know, hit you where it hurts. And uh, it is one of the most frustrating things. And that is essentially what City did to Real. They got them into kind of like a, just just a little shell, and they just stayed in their corner. And, and like, they, they just could not get a sniff. And that is, yeah. you know, 5-1 on aggregate. Uh, yeah. To Real uh, Madrid. Just, to Real Madrid. And that's that's crazy. And the fact that like, yeah, they could only eke out a one one draw at uh the, the Bernabeu the yeah. is uh crazy. So yeah, no, just going going into the Etihad is uh just impossible at that point. So uh I think yeah. for the most part, like I was I was expecting it to be more competitive than that. Um but that just that just shows where City is at at this point. Yeah, for me, the thing about the thing about City is they're just so heavy depth wise. Yeah. I mean, you can take out you could take up Jack Grealish. Oh, look, they've got Phil Foden, who's an England mm-hmm. international. You could take out Holland. They've got Julian Alvarez, just a World Cup winner, who's probably yeah. one of the stars of the World Cup. You know, waiting in the book. Um, they've got. Everyone, you take out Ruben Diaz, they've got Laporte. Um, yeah. they're so solid. And one thing they've been doing in the Champions League, I've noticed, is they've basically been playing, um, like four center backs in a back four. So mm-hmm. they'll play a Kanji, Ruben Diaz, John Stones, and arguable if he's a center back or not, I play center back for England, Kyle Walker. So, so that's another thing you, you bring up John Stones. Uh, in sort of like this this four back uh formation, um, they didn't. So Pep did an interesting thing with Stones, where you 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 have box to box midfielders. Oh right. Pep made Stones a box to box center back. Like he basically said, "Rome, do do whatever you want," and he just 
did it. it like it, it's it's insane, like how much of a command uh, Pep had in that game. He's he's really good at getting players to play multiple positions within the same game. Yeah. So like Kevin De Bruyne when uh, they played Arsenal, he was basically playing as sort of like a um, sort of almost as like another striker behind Holland. Well, and that's sort of the thing is like Holland was almost like a false nine in that game. So <laughs> weird. He, he was he was drawing the attention because you had those runs by De Bruyne and just okay. That's how you're gonna find okay. You know. Yeah, I mean they are they're forced to be reckoned with. I, you know, it's gonna take a bit for other clubs to catch up to them. They are on the verge of winning the Premier League as well, and mm-hmm. they just need. I think they need like two wins out of their last three. Yeah. Um and then they are also in the final for the FA Cup, which is I think. June third, yeah, June third. So yep. they, so we'll, yeah, man. And they're playing Man United, which is why you can hear my heavy sighing. Yes, um, because what could happen this season is that Manchester City could go and win the treble, which is a feat that only Manchester United has ever done, which is winning the top cup out of the two out of the FA Cup and Carabao. So winning the yep. FA Cup winning the top European competition, which is the Champions League, which they are now in the final of. And then, of course, winning your domestic league, the Premier League. Yep. So, yeah, I'm I'm nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, um, I've been feeling it for a couple of weeks now, just knowing that it's it's when you have Harry Maguire and David De Gea's last as the last line of defense for uh, stopping the treble that for me, that's, that's the hard part. Yep. No, my, my condolences ahead of time. Um, I, I mean, if, if United pull pulls it off, like I will definitely weirdly enough be, be uh, cheering for United in that game. Um, I appreciate it because you, you have the history, you know, city has the money. You have the history. Like, Right. Any day, uh, I will. I That's will. That's a good quote. That. I'm going to use that if it goes yeah. if it goes, <laughs> if it goes sideways. Yeah. They got the money. We got the history. <laughs> For sure. I, that's that's what Arsenal's been singing at Chelsea, you know, since the uh, Roman. Yeah, since uh, 2002. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, it's that you've got no history. You've got no history. Like that whole. Yeah. No, that's that's something that Arsenal has really leaned on, uh, especially over the past. Like, yeah. I might have to join that crowd. 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, we should go on to the next piece of news, which is pretty interesting. Um, we, we knew about it right before, right in the beginning of the season, but now it has finally come down to the punishment for the Brentford striker, Ivan Tony, who is receiving an eight month playing ban for over 260 chart betting offenses. That, like, bro, <laughs> why? It's a, that's why you. That's why you gotta have a guy. You gotta have. You gotta have a guy. You gotta have a guy. It's oh my god, dude! Two hundred and sixty. Oh my god. Oh, that's um. Do you think he was yeah, like that's... Tony? Tony to not score today. Yeah. <laughs> like. Um, you know, that's like, that's like Pete Rose territory get, getting into baseball, but like, um, that's yeah, nuts. And, um, I've, uh, you know, uh, I am overall not a fan of sports betting, um, right. or gambling in general. It has never, I don't know, like, I don't have the lizard brain for it. I think it's really boring. I think, you know, I, I would say if I do gamble on anything, I like cards. Uh, I like playing that. But right. like anything where it is literal chance, even if, you know, you are you have your smart bets or whatever, or, you know, uh, you, you can hedge on sports teams, I suppose. But like uh, 
Yeah, when it comes to just that sort of thing, I'm like, man, I don't know. I, I don't have the brain for it or, or you know, it, I don't have the lizard brain. So I yeah. don't understand it, you know, uh, in terms of fairness or not. Like, obviously, I, me not being like a sportsman, I, on an ethical level, like I, I don't dig it, especially since um, it, it often affects uh, people whose financial means aren't fantastic and it can right. have um a uh, uh, rough effect on poor neighborhoods uh and especially like in rural areas as well like it it is kind of well, gross yeah it's like uh in the UK and I'm sure because gambling is getting so so much bigger especially in recent mm-hmm. years in the US the UK has a massive gambling problem uh, there's you know there's a bookie on every corner that you go to. even in my even in my uh my grandmother's town, there was a book on every corner and it was the town that had the highest percentage for elderly people in the country. Well, like oh. that's egregious. But when it gets to the point where like a literal, literally team like bet three sixty five, uh, who did they sponsor for a lot? Was that like Norwich or something? Or I know they sponsored a premier league team, uh, well, for a good bit. Well, the, the team that Ivan Tony plays for their shirt sponsor is Hollywood bets. Nice. That's he was he fabulous. was literally that. <laughs> he was literally like, wait, so I'm not supposed to be betting on this? <laughs> <I'm, I'm, I'm, laughs> like, wait, hold on, I thought this was part of the deal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but dude, um, uh, the audacity. Oh, yeah, and, like, and yeah, I can imagine like that is just probably such a normal thing. The the it's thing so I normal. remember most. The thing I know the most when it comes to sort of like how England is trying to address gambling is that they wasn't there a campaign at one point where it's like they had like statistics about domestic abuse, like post like FA Cup finals or something like that. And it was like some super absurd number. And like, I'm like, man, that is that's ugly. Yeah, they did. That's they bad. did a look. And a big thing was that a lot of domestic abuse was happening on like Sunday evenings, which was like when, of course, okay. you know, your weekend parlay has finished uh, because obviously oh, your yeah. latest game in England is going to be, you know, 10 a.m. So they were finding mm-hmm. like Sunday afternoons. Why are there so many cases of domestic abuse? And it was because, you know, people were losing their parlays that they had put or like money they should not have put on. Yeah. And yeah, it's a massive problem. I mean, I could definitely see it becoming a bigger problem in the US now that gambling has been basically accepted in most states at this point. And and yeah, the, the fact that um especially in DC and I, I don't want to make this a whole thing. I'm going to make it a whole thing. I'm sorry. Do it. Uh, but you know, when uh, they had when sports betting became accepted in D.C., um, they they had a plan. I mean, it's kind of like in in different areas, but I in and I could be wrong about this for sure. But I, I thought they were putting up like an establishment like in either Ward seven or Ward eight, which are kind of the two poorest wards in D.C. Yeah. And I'm just like that. See, that's exactly the problem that like where it's going to more greatly uh, affect it or negatively affect those areas, you know, rather than, you know, what you're you typically think of as like high money, high roller types. No, it is, you know, kind of kind of average Joes or, you know, regular people who, you know, oftentimes are are battling a gambling addiction and, you know, along with other ones, too, probably. Yeah. And and so, you know, and in terms of that, like, I don't know, like I I would I would say it's not nearly a. uh, uh, Not nearly a severe enough, uh, you know, sort of punishment, I would I would I'm sort of the type where I would ban a player uh, from a league, you know, for long periods of time if not you know indefinitely you know it would be for life or something because like yeah though no, i i i completely you know uh 
object to to that sort of stuff. So I don't know. I would I would be very nuclear about it uh, when it when it comes to that type of punishment. What about you? Yeah. So he is. Well, he's still getting paid by the club. Um, yeah. So I'm. I mean, he's probably like. I, unless he truly, truly loves playing, if he doesn't, you know, love playing and he just is happy with the money. I mean, I wonder, can he gamble? Can he gamble while he's on suspension? Because <laughs> he's not playing. <laughs> I, that's bonkers to think about. And like that, that also that makes me sad because that also strikes me to a, a degree that like, yeah, that I, I can't help can. but think, you know, after his career is done, where does that go then? Yeah, exactly. You know. So he is not allowed to obviously play for Brentford. He can't yeah. train with Brentford and he can't even attend games um, yeah. f- until January of 2024, which, yeah, I I don't know. I don't think it's the longest span. No way. It's definitely not the longest span, but it's definitely longer on the terms of recent history. Um, mm-hmm. I know Kieran Trippier got one in Spain. Which, you know, oh, such a surprise. He came to England. You yeah. know, <laughs> we know why. <laughs> we yep. know exactly why. It's like how Wayne Rooney uh, came to DC United because he got a driving ban for drunk driving. Yeah. Yep. It's like, oh, I wonder why he came to the US because yes. he, he could drive here. Um, yeah. I love those little coincidences. It's like, <laughs> come on. We know yeah. why. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, uh, I think it's fair to be, to be honest, yeah. eight months. <laughs> I completely got up on my soapbox for that, but you know I, that, yeah, that's you're sort of fair one to of those though. I mean, me. I think I think it's a massive problem that's that has been in England for ages. It's definitely coming to the U.S. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, people are more likely to take a risk than you know take a risk on a big win than it is to to look over their financials and. You know, we'll ha- we'll have to see. But in terms of in terms of Ivan Tony and his ban, I think mm-hmm. uh, it is fair. Even though it's it sucks because he's an awesome player. He I think he has fifteen goals this season, sixteen goals. And That's not bad. Yeah, yeah, not bad at all, right? And you know, got England call up and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Things were really looking up, but now it's like, well, enjoy your eight months on the shelf. And, and for a team like Brent, who who oh they need them performed this year, um, the that's gonna hurt them, you know, because they basically have dead weight on on their books, uh, for the next eight months, you know. So that's that's something to kind of consider as they go forward and they try to find a, a replacement, and especially with with that sort of quality, like you know, that's that's tough. That that's you know getting into you know, tens of millions territory. If you're trying to find another player uh, who can perform like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you kind of feel bad for the player and especially the team, but yeah, if you don't, this is how things happen. Like games getting rigged. So yeah, it kind of has yeah. to happen, but let's, uh, let's move on from Ivan, Tony, and we'll talk about him in probably eight months. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> the uh, Man U women's team lost to the Chelsea's women's team in the FA Cup final. A big nudge to Chelsea, who are going to win the league over United if they win the remainder of their games. They're currently two points ahead of Man United and they have yeah. a game behind. Now, we have to look at the top three of the league, which is... Um, Chelsea, Man U, and I believe Arsenal, which is separated by a total of five points with only two games left in the league. What do you What are you thinking? Uh, um. So, yeah, I you know Chelsea. Well, I guess you know, kind of Manchester United was kind of in that Arsenal position. <laughs> Very uh, literally, though. You know, like we literally, I was like, how are we How are we first? Like, wait, hold on. And yeah. then sort of that false hope, like, can we actually do it? And then I realized that Chelsea had two games to play and they overtook us. And I was like, ah, that seems more like it. <laughs> right. So, you know, probably probably Chelsea's to take again. You know, that is that is so key uh, when it comes to late season momentum. I, that was one of the major things uh, when Arsenal sort of, again, 
bottled uh, the league in uh, 2016 or 2015, 2015, was it 2015 that Lester? Yeah. Uh, 2015, 2016. 2015, 2016. That's right. Uh, that season, I mean, you know, Lester just kind of hit. Well, in it, their season was so weird, but I, it was just sort of like late in the season was where they really racked up good results and they were able to really just like hold on to it. So, you know, it, it is very much like if you can hit that momentum wave and, and just ride it, you know, that's that's sort of how that kind of works. So, yeah, no, I'd probably Chelsea ends up taking the taking the championship yeah. and uh, poor Man U, poor Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> I know we're both just like, uh, I hate them so much. <laughs> Especially for the fact that it's Chelsea. Like, that just, oh, it, God, it's really yeah. funny. I've always had way more animosity towards Chelsea than I ever did towards Tottenham. But, you know, that's also kind of an interesting story in and of itself there. But, yeah, for the for the reason that uh, the, the money that Chelsea got, you know, and, and how they were able to just sort of use that. You know, where where Arsenal had to, like, build a brand new stadium and then they had to kind of uh, essentially bargain by for years and years. <laughs> like a after decade. That. Oh, my gosh, that sucked. So, yeah, no, I I I just get real annoyed with with a lot of the the, the new money teams, especially for the fact that, like, uh, I have a nephew who, like, literally year after Manchester City uh one one uh their their second premier league title they're like oh yeah i'm a huge i'm i love man man city i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> like yo right i yeah he's getting a stick of gum for his birthday <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, um luckily for me yeah. and i forgot to put this in our news but um the team that my mom's side of the family supports. Um, uh, my uncle was actually their doctor and their shirt sponsor when yeah. they were in the Premier League. Ipswich has officially been promoted uh, up to the championship, nice. which is great because they were stuck in League One for like eight years. Yeah, and, they were there for a while. And it was yeah. like, dude, are they ever going to go? And um, yeah, they had a hell of a season. They had the best goal differential of anyone. It was like plus 60. Um, wow. they had, yeah, they had an amazing season. So I just wanted to give Ipswich town, uh, yard boys, a quick yard shout boys. out. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So let's move on from there. Obviously we all know that the 2026 world cup is coming to the USA, Canada, and Mexico. They yesterday unveiled their logo for the competition, and I, I don't know about you, but I thought it was lame. <laughs> I'm just going to be straight up with it. I thought it was lame. To be honest, I thought it was like a teaser when I first saw it. I was like, oh, cool. Okay, when's the actual? Oh, no, this is actually. This is it. Yeah. This is it. Because, like, literally, that, that's what it looks like. It is the just a flat 2026 black black background. Yeah. White letters, and then like just the World Cup. <laughs> it's the it's most like, hacky, come on, like, bro. Photoshop like mock up I've ever seen. Like you know, typically you've got really like beautifully illustrated, you know, kind of maximalist looking thing. Like especially if you look at um, uh, Spain or South Africa back in the day, they they had like a ton of character with those logos. But man, it's just for me. It, yeah, it looks like a Nike magazine ad, to be yes, honest. Like, thank you. Yeah, it just looks like, OK, le- just generic, athletic looking uh, lettering. It's and like they forgot that they had homework and they did it that morning in the cafeteria. They just submitted it. They're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, they're yeah, like, I'll take is. a C. Like, I'll take a C minus. That's fine. Yeah. But like the big thing about World Cup logos is it's a way to sort of put that country's culture as well. Like I feel like uh, uh-huh. Brazil's Brazil's was beautiful, uh, mm-hmm. South Korea's, South Africa's, and yep. like they all had whether it was like the coloring or the the sort of template or the artistic way it was set up, 
they all had something cultural to that country. And then the USA was just like a two, a six, and the trophy. It was just like... I mean, maybe and, that is maybe that is it. Shit. <laughs> well, and and the tagline for it is "We are twenty six. Yeah, twenty six. What? Yeah, no, it's just that's the hashtag. It's just we are twenty six. Um, we this are so weird. The unreleased Adele album twenty six. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe this is the announcement. <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, we got a World Cup, but Adele's album is uh, yeah. coming out. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? Hey, if that's the case, like, if it's like, I'm down um, with that. That's the Adele only way they can save is, themselves. Is taking the Shakira. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so great. <laughs> but th- that doesn't make sense because Adele is English, and like, that's just <laughs> yeah. She she would probably be like, "Why are you guys hyping me up? Like, Wait, what is this?" <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I really didn't like it. It just looked super stock photo-ish. And, like, yeah. I was just like, yeah, this sucks. They definitely did this on, like, the paint app on a Microsoft Word, like, Microsoft computer. Like, it just didn't look yeah. good. But we do have some other USA news. Mm-hmm. Some news that we chatted about a couple episodes ago, of course. Not knowing a couple if it was months ago, honestly. This was, like, second episode territory that we yeah. were in when we talked about so, this. You may have remembered us talking about Fuller and Balogun, uh, whether it was in the news section in like our second episode or talking about the coach, Will Still, who is the current um, Reams coach. So Fuller and Balogun has officially switched from English nationality to the United States. Yeah. And that now means that the USA finally has a competent number nine. A reminder that right now, Fuller and Balogun is in the top five for scoring in the first French league. He is a monster. He's currently on loan at Reims from Arsenal and he's 22, 21 years old. Yeah. But he's, he's a little monster. Um, I'm really impressed by him. Although I I hate to admit it. (laughs) I will take him over Zardes any day. Um, Yeah. If I see Josie Altador in another lineup, I'm going to (laughs) cry. Um, man. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's awesome. Especially him being, being an Arsenal guy. Um, yeah, like I, I am, uh, thrilled to hear about that. Uh, it, it shows where the cachet of, of the United States is right now. Uh, right. when it comes to the men's national team, you know, uh, Women have been dominant for a while, except England is definitely looking scary these days. But um, yeah, for the longest time, I mean, yeah, as an American fan, it's always been, you know, just like, are the do the U.S. do anything? Do they even have a team? Are they any good? Like, you know, it's just a lot of is like, yeah, very Eurocentric. Or you've got the Euro snobs who are who will absolutely downplay any sort of accomplishment the U.S. has ever made. That's um, me. And then you've got the feral <laughs> United States men's national team, like Twitter goblins. Um, who are like, we're the best in the world. The best in the world. <laughs> like, it is, uh, it's, uh, you know, um, and then I'm just kind of like, yeah, no, I, I like, I like where they're going. Um, yeah, like they're a growing team. They, yeah. What's cool about this is that it shows that the U.S. men's national team has value. Yeah. It shows that they are not just some team that's happy to be there, that they're, he believes that, you know, going to play for the U.S., that, you know, he can do something with that team. And I think that's a very big, especially with how, <laughs> how quickly the sport has grown in the U.S. It's, I mean, it's wonderful to see. I just hope they don't get better than England. That's, <laughs> that's the only, that's the only jab I'll throw in there. And and the other thing is like this is also miles away. So like yeah, you know, Balogun is uh, a young kid. Yeah, he's and a kid. this is this is not like 2014 when um, Klinsman was like hounding for any dual national nationality German players that he could find because he was just like I gotta I gotta find guys. I can't I can't be right. working with like MLS dudes. So like no this is this is um 
<laughs> this is me also. Like also that was the other thing. I think that was a the the, the downside of Klinsman as well is that he. This is a whole nother thing. I'm sorry, I need to go on a tangent here for a second. But like, in a, in a way, he was bad for the men's national team because he was like, he was not concerned with any sort of development developmental side uh, with with the program. It was just basically like, I gotta find dual national people and just like get them on this team because I'm I'm not calling up random MLS guys, you know and. Right. You know, it's just it's it's and this was obviously like before, you know, the time when Pulisic was was making, you know, uh, waves. This this was just like when everyone was like it very into like Josh Sargent being like <laughs> yeah. the guy. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> he's uh, he's yeah. playing for Norwich. He's the best. That's where <laughs> that's, that's where we were in 2014. Like literally, he's the best. He's the best. <laughs> he is he is a bit guy on Norwich. We've made it. We're good, baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then like that best player that season was a 35 year old from Iceland. Yes. <laughs> oh man oh so the the men's national team for as much as like controversy has hit it in recent times like this is a program that really kind of got their ducks in a row and and fostered um some fantastic growth in players so yeah i i i think they're in a good spot uh balgan is only going to make it better and then he's, hopefully he's a great addition when, when England uh, faces the U.S. Uh, again in 2026, uh, because I'm sure they'll do it. They they can they can get a goal or two up on you. So. <laughs> Balogun with a 90th minute winner. I'll throw myself off my balcony. That would be fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Daniel, yeah, take it sure. take it away. Yeah, so uh, this was a fun episode. We um, we're just having a fun time getting topics. We we definitely have a whole slate of stuff that we are working on doing. Um, I'm definitely I love this fifty one forty nine rule. So down, I would down. love to dive deeper into that for the next episode. But um, you sent me a message on Twitter, and I am very much stalling so I can get it pulled up. But <laughs> we, <laughs> I, 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 so guys, I've um, I've sent sort of I was sort of in my I was writing some notes, and I sort of got into a um, what's the what's the best way to put it? Sort of into a rant of like a topics plan for the future. You were you were in a flow state. Uh, yeah, my friend. But, you know, uh, we we are definitely going to do like a end of season Premier League review. Uh, yeah. We are going to f- kind of we want to dive into a topic uh, that we've been talking about for a while. Are players who got real hyped up but never reached their full potential. You have Deli Ali here. For, yeah. For me, a big one is Alexander Pato. Oh, I didn't even think about him. Yeah, absolutely. Like he was he was in line to be the next Kaka, basically. Like he was um, so hyped and just a sort of mix of personal drama and injuries just kind of uh, fueled a downfall that uh, eventually had him being sort of rejected by Orlando City for the 2023 season. So uh what a what a weird trajectory he took but that's yeah. sort of on the the slate um you know we'll definitely talk about transfer stuff uh we'll we'll do some deep dives into transfer market uh s- history and whatnot um there's a, a rule that i love the the uh bozeman rule uh from, from belgian player back in the 90s who like through a court case completely changed uh the the way teams sort of wheel and deal uh in the modern day. So yeah, Ooh, I, I, nice. I 
Yeah, no, it's it's a fascinating story. So we've got some really good stories coming up. I've had a ton of fun with this. Tom, where can the good folks find you? Yeah, of course. And everyone can find me on Instagram at TIFerguson94. And then, of course, on Twitter at Snitch McConnell. And Daniel, take it away. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Daniel605Wise and on Instagram at ProfessorSDFC. You can also find the Artful Nutmeg on both of those platforms. Uh, Just search for the Artful Nutmeg. Uh, Thank you to everyone who listens and shows support for the show. Remember to be well and watch more soccer.